Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Passion of our Savior The mercy of our God The cross leaves no question Of the measure of His love And our chains are gone Our debt is paid The cross has
Next year, I think we're going to get Hank Williams Jr. or um, Carrie Underwood to sing the like theme song for our, our Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, guys, I got two special guests with me. Um, one you guys have seen uh, for the past two years. This is the third year in a row that you've been with us on Super Bowl Sunday. What we'd love to do is kind of take the theme of football that everybody's focused on and move from football to faith. And so um, Coach Shannon Jarvis, who has been uh, the only head coach at Mill Creek High School up until a couple months ago. Uh, two months ago? About two weeks ago. Or two weeks ago. Yeah, I guess you, when you actually named Coach Lovelady as a new head coach. Um, but now you're the AD, and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, you're here with us. I've shared with y'all his resume in the past, but uh, you're, you're, you're the all-time winningest coach in Mill Creek High School history, so that's pretty oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, you hold all the records That'll there. be broken soon. That'll <laughs> be broken in 14 years. Yeah. Um, and then also sitting to his right across from me is David Green. Uh, David Green, um, I, I mean, I could give you a, lo a long list of his resume. At the time that he, well, we got some excitement over here, man. <laughs> he hadn't even said anything, and we're like, yay. So we had, like, kids on the front row at 950. One was wearing a Georgia helmet. I had a helmet <laughs> on a church. I see one guy wearing a Tennessee shirt back there, by the way. Um, but anyway, well, uh, <laughs> so, um, David Green uh, graduated from the University of Georgia, and at the time of his graduation, we have to say this for the young people in the room that don't know you, um, you were the all-time winningest college football uh, quarterback. That is pretty amazing. You held all the records at Georgia, and um, if it weren't for Mike Bobo getting pass-happy and Aaron Murray, you'd still be the record holder, um, but you're, you're, you're in solid second place. That's not bad, brother. That's not bad, brother. In yards. In yards. I still got it in wins. Do you, yeah, in wins. But Aaron, in wins. Aaron Murray's got more yards. Well, Jake Fromm might push you a little bit on wins. But yeah, I think Fromm's okay. definitely going to get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so, hope he gets it. Yeah, right, and uh, he might take it for the entirety of college football um, if he stays for four years, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see on that. Um, but you're, you're much more, both of y'all are much more than that. Um, in fact, y'all have actually kind of stepped out of your resume building. Before we do that, why don't y'all just welcome them? We haven't had a chance to officially welcome them. Um, so, it's a big day for y'all. It's time away from your families. It's time away from your faith communities, uh, which is 12 stone. <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, anyway, so um, that's okay. It's okay. Um, but you're here with us, and uh, we go back. And so why don't you tell us, though, beyond football, who y'all are? What are y'all doing now in, in, in kind of this season of life? Yeah, well, I, as you mentioned, I stepped down from head football coaching uh, this past is in December at the end of the season, and then um, got had to wait a little while for the board because I am an assistant principal as well. So assistant principal, athletic director, it got named right after Christmas, and I went through a little bit of a time right there, that, and I'm still getting those questions. I was at a soccer game Friday night, and uh, a community member came up to me and said, 
you're okay, aren't you? You know, I did not get fired. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, this was a great opportunity that I had that uh, the door opened up, and I was, I'm very excited about this next opportunity I have um, at the high school and in our community. With all, and Like I said, I was at a soccer game, and um, I'm learning more sports uh, than I knew before, but I'm very excited about I had really it's the first one I ever went to. <laughs> first soccer game? Seriously. <laughs> and, um, but I really did enjoy it, and uh, both girls and boys. So I am, yeah. I'm just I'm very excited about this next chapter. Awesome. David, what do you got to? Yeah, so uh, it's busy at the Green household, so I married my high school sweetheart, Veronica, and we've, uh, we've got three boys. I've got an 11-year-old, uh, a 7-year-old, and a 19-month-old, and we just found out, which was a major <laughs> shock and surprise, the number four is on the yeah. way. So, so uh, <laughs> busy is about to get busier. <laughs> This is exclusive information, by the way, so they haven't announced that to the world, but this is going, this, this will be viewed on five continents, so um, you just <laughs> Look at there. shared it with the world. It's fine. That, hey, it's yeah. coming no matter what. That's right. The ball, but, <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we're, That's we're right. excited about that. Extremely busy. I spend most of my weekends at the ball field at the youth level uh, and busy at work as well, so I'm a partner in an insurance brokerage agency. We uh, are busy. We've got, we're in five different states with 190 employees, so wow. it's uh, busy. We got a lot going on at work and a lot going on at home. So that's, yeah. it's eats up my, my 24 hours a day for sure. Yeah. So we'll talk in just a little bit about kind of life beyond football and kind of like a performance-based identity. We'll talk about it in a second. But you guys, the reason that we're kind of here together is because we all have some connection. And uh, last year, Coach Jarvis and I, we were having this great conversation just about legacy. Because one of the things that I kind of in prep to like impress people with your stats. You know, I was talking about how many people have gone on from your football coaching days to either then go play collegiately or to go coach. And it was really relevant last year because you lost the defensive coordinator who in his first year won the state championship. Not bitter about it, are you? Okay, all right, you know, and so um, and so we were talking about this legacy and then it kind of hit us in the moment. We were up here, David, and we were like, David Green, we were like, let's get him up. Um, because we've got relational. Why don't y'all talk about your history uh, together um, so that so yeah, that this makes sense all. for everybody. So Coach Jarvis was the receiver coach at South Gwinnett when I played at South Gwinnett. And Miss Candy, Wait, who we got I some think comments is, out there? We got any comments? Yeah, we got a couple Dang. of Snellvillians. Yeah. Uh, Wait, his you, first year, Coach Did you say Snellvillians or Hellions? Snellvillians. Oh, okay. All right. Just... You could probably say either. Yeah. Uh, but it was his first coaching job. I think you were 25 at the time, right? And just newly married to Miss Candy, who's in the house somewhere. Where? Oh, is she uh, here? Miss Candy's here. And, oh, yeah. There you are. Okay. Okay. And so, right. and so, yeah, they just come to South Gwinnett, and he was a receiver coach. And um, and then when I left and went on to Georgia, and it's funny because he didn't coach me. He wasn't. I mean, I had my quarterback coach was Rob McFerrin. And uh, but when I went to Georgia, it's just something about the connection we've had, his personality, his passion, his competitive spirit. Uh, I've always just loved Coach Jarvis. He's one of these guys that I could easily sit down where you guys are and just hear him talk for hours. Yeah. I just love to hear him. He's just, he's just got a passion for life and, and just love his character and who he is. Um, we really had some pretty neat moments when I was in college at Georgia. Friday nights, we would go to Lake Lanier Islands. That was our time where you know, they would try to get us away from everything right before the games. Um, and he was still coaching at South Gwinnett at the time, and I would call him on Friday nights, and Friday nights were really special to me because, you know, you can imagine in college when I was a quarterback, life was just going 450 miles an hour at all times, and Friday night was the only time that nothing was going on, and I could kind of just reflect 
on uh, where I was and what we were doing and just kind of zoom out a little bit in life, which we need to do, obviously, from, uh, from time to time. And I would call Coach Jarvis, who was normally just wrapping up a football game. And half the time we talked, there was thousands of people in the background. But we would just talk about life and football in general. And it was one of those connections we had outside of coaching. Like I said, I don't know anything about his coaching credentials, but as far as him as a man, uh, we've always had a strong connection there. And like David said, when I came to South, I was fresh out of college, naive, and, and I've so told many people many times that I, I love that era of my career because just being naive and, and really wasn't that much older than David and, and a lot of the players. But I just love the people there. But with David, you know, um, I didn't coach his position, but I did admire him so much because the one thing about him is how good of a person he was. And, and what I learned and saw then, well, first of all, I didn't say this last time, but like when he graduated, I was like, okay, let's get the next quarterback. I thought they all were going to be this good, you know, so <laughs> here you are, you know, I've really coached the best quarterback in my career the first or coached with him you know, that first couple of years but one thing he brought and and I say this a lot when people ask me who are the best players you ever coached and and, and when you watched NFL like today the best players are not the ones with the most stats and, and, and all of this. It is the ones that make the players around them better. Mm. And what he did on that team, um, the, his junior and senior year, because we came in his junior and senior year and made the players around him so much better because of how much he genuinely cared for them and his teammates. You know, I got the question a lot when he went to Georgia, and candidly, he had a phenomenal career. You know, you didn't mention this, but his all-time yardage was an SEC record, mm. not just a Georgia record. Mm. You know, he went into Terry Murray. He broke all right. – but you broke a lot of Peyton Manning's records, and I know that, and you know that, but he won't tell anybody that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But did you say that, Peyton Manning because that one dude wearing a Tennessee, Tennessee I did. shirt? Today? Somebody has a Tennessee shirt. Yeah. No. Somebody has a Tennessee. I had to say that. But were you also thinking about the hobnail boot play, <laughs> which was impressive? That yeah, was, anyway. it was. All right. But he. But that's a great. Yeah. You know, even that drive and the and the wins he had was how he made everybody around him better. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when I got the question a lot of times, would you surprised by his success? Every time, it's no, without question. Mm. Um, because I don't even know what your rating was out of high school. You were recruited, and it's not act like you were not good. He was a very good high school player, but a lot of people were caught off guard with his success. Yeah. Well, it's just because he made his teammates so much better mm. because of the person that he is, and, and, and I said he is, not was, but he is, because even when he walks in this room yeah. and he's in a room, people just gravitate to him. Yeah. So um, uh, he's it's just you know, God putting us in our lives, it's more of a friendship than it is coach-to-player yeah. relationship. Yeah, that's really good. And I think both of you guys, and I think that's one of the reasons why I feel comfortable bringing you uh, into the church and influencing, you know, hundreds on a Sunday morning, but even more than that through online, is that you guys are more than just, like, what you're known for. And um, you care about everyone beyond what they can do for you transactionally, you know, for football or for wins and losses. And David, I mean, you know, even just hanging out, talking with my son and his friends, you know, before service, every person you meet is a person. And, um, and that's, that's really good. Um, so you guys um, ha obviously have had uh, some influence with each other mutually. Um, as a church, last fall, we spent a little bit of time in a series called Hero Makers. And what we talked about was that um, true heroes are hero makers, and behind every hero, there is a hero maker. And so let's live our lives bigger than us and making ourselves the hero of our story, and let's look to make heroes of others and to do what we can for them. And really just talks about the role of influence in people's lives. Um, when it comes to your faith journey, obviously there's been a number of people that have stood out to, to kind of contribute to 
like where you were in your faith, the moment you kind of like got it, um, and then even your growth in that. Would y'all just take a moment to just talk about some of those seasons of influence and those people's event, people of influence? You know, and I've spoke about this many times here, yeah. and anytime I get an opportunity to speak publicly about my faith is um, I think a lot of times, quote, as Christians, we're wrong when we come here and we expect it to be the preacher. You know, it, David didn't have a good sermon today. You know, it's, it's right. about that, that preacher. And um, it really, the, I was fortunate enough to be raised in a church with my, both my parents are still alive, but I was raised in a faith-based home. Um, and I've always been in church, but it wasn't until uh, my relationship with my small group leader, yeah. um, Ron Riley, I'll give you his name. And I've had a lot of people influence me, but Ron Riley, I look back to, he was the one, the one difference maker I had in my life at a point that, that I was seeking to grow. Mm-hmm. And um, he, was the, he was the man that took me from being in religion. And frankly, my religion was a works-based grace. You know, it wasn't grace. Mm-hmm. It was works-based, you know, trying to get to heaven or hell. I wanted to get to heaven and act right to get there. Right. I had no clue about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And through Ron Riley and, and the way he taught and led our, 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 our small group, um, he's still a man to this day that has, has had such a tremendous impact. And I argue and I say, and I, it's the small groups. That's the power of church. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not just that preacher that's preaching the message. Yeah. And it's you being, you know, you responding when, when urged to those people. And, um, you know, I said this earlier, but I'll leave here. Every time I get an opportunity to talk about Ron, I forget. And I need to, t- I will text him as soon as I walk out of here thanking him for, for what yeah. he's done. And he probably has no idea the impact he's had on me that's, you know, gone to so many more people for what he did for me in my life. Mm-hmm. So small any small group leaders here, you, 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 you will not probably ever see the fruits of your labor, but I promise you, you have the influence um, yeah. with the people in your group. And, um, and I know for me, he had a profound influence in my life. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and, and just so y'all know, we, we officially shut down our our spring registration for small groups last week. I should have said this as an advertisement. We weren't planning on this, but um, you can still sign up for a connect group and have that same experience um, here uh, on a weekly basis um, where people are devoting their lives to, to helping grow in discipleship. And we say it all the time. Well, not all the time, but enough. Um, Jesus spent the majority of his time with a small group, not a large group. He did a large group, but it was a small percentage of his time. The majority of his time was spent with a small group. So, David, what about yeah, you, um, yeah. So influencers? My, yeah, yeah, my story is somewhat similar to his in the fact that I grew up in a church um, over at Snellville United Methodist Church where D.W. was a pastor there as well. Uh, my story was similar to the fact that it was very much like religion as well. I mean, I didn't have I, the thing that was missing for me is the thing that's the biggest key, and that's a relationship. Yeah. I didn't pursue Christ. I would show up on Sunday and hear a message and, and hope that I was a good guy and could make it to heaven as well. Uh, it wasn't until I got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, and I was a third-round draft pick. It seemed like on the surface of everything that everything looked great. You know, I just finished a great career at Georgia. Uh, playing in the NFL was something I'd always dreamed of doing, but something was, uh, was the only time in my life that I just felt just totally just distraught internally. And if, uh, and if you've been there, um, you know what I'm talking about. And I was there, and I was empty inside, but yet I had everything that the world said I would need to be successful and happy. And that's when I began searching. Mm. And um, I was fortunate enough, that the key guys on that football team, the Sean Alexanders, the Max Strongs, the Matt Hasselbecks, the Chris Grays, the guys on those football team were believers. And you mentioned small groups. You don't even have to be best friends with somebody to make a huge impact in mm. their life because I was a rookie on that football team yeah. that was searching. And I was at a point in my life where I was looking to grow. 
at that point because I had urgency. I knew the way that I had been living uh, was a fraud at that point. Hmm. And I realized that, you know, the one thing I was missing was the most important thing, and that was a relationship with my Savior. And I had guys that were in that room not even just talking about it. I think the most powerful thing is they just showed me by the way they lived. Hmm. And that's the most important thing. So I saw that, and then I started asking them questions. And it's amazing the impact that we can have on one another. And some of those guys on that team probably had no idea uh, because most dudes aren't going to come up and just, you know, just pour their hearts out like a lot, like a lot of women will. Uh, do y'all do that, ladies? Yeah, a little bit more maybe. I know one that will, my wife. Uh, but, yeah, and that was, it just made such a huge impact in my life because, I, I did, you know, I was new to the team, so I was a rookie. I was a guy that was, you know, carrying stuff around. But yet, when it came to our faith, the guys understood the importance of that, mm. okay? You may be the little guy, but when we start talking about eternity, um, it would get serious, and guys would really try to pour into you that way. So I was really blessed that at a time that I was distraught and I was searching, I had some guys that I could go to that could help point me in the right direction. Love it. I love it. Uh, I, I love it because it was just people that were in your life in various settings that made the most significant impact in your life. And I, I, I'm all for pastors, but I agree with you. This isn't about us. This is about all of us doing our part. And we say all the time that every person in this room has a specific and unique sphere of influence that nobody else has. And so it's their responsibility to reach their family members, their friends, their coworkers, their classmates, and their neighbors. And here's a perfect example, especially your coworkers who have won at the highest level, MVP of the league, Sean Alexander, I mean, great running back at the University of Alabama. I mean, and, and like, and was it your first year that y'all went to the Super Bowl? Yeah, 2005. Yeah, your first year in the league, you go to the Super Bowl. Why, why do they care about you? Because you were strategically placed in their life. And I'll say this, as believers, we have a responsibility to continue growing, okay? It's yeah. not enough to just say we're saved. Because what yeah. happens when we continually grow, people recognize things. And we begin, and it's amazing how the Spirit works how we recognize opportunities where we can pour into somebody else's life and yeah. be intentional. But when we're just saved and we just, we never read the Bible, we don't pray, we just kind of go through life, we're, we become insignificant, yeah. you know? And so I was fortunate that I had guys that were actively seeking, growing with mm -hmm. their father, and that allowed me to come into kingdom. Man, that's such a great, great testimony, just that we need to continue. That's a start. We say all the time, it's a starting line, not the finish line. And a lot of people treat a moment of, receiving Christ as finish line, but it's not. It's starting line of our faith. I get that a lot, even from kids. Yeah. They're waiting to clean up something before they make that decision. Okay. Like, no, let's, let's get, you know, let's yeah. go. This is part of, 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 of trying to figure this out is yeah. let's take this step, you know, but they, they, they think they've got to be perfect before they can come into the church yeah. or, or, or make that decision. It's not the case. Yeah. So you guys, if y'all, as y'all have grown, I mean, I think all of us kind of come to this place where we start to really process our identity. And we talk about identity a lot here. And uh, I can imagine in the, the, the pressure cooker of performance, which is, you know, high school football in Georgia, 7A, biggest classification. Um, probably, if we're being honest, Gwinnett County now has become, yeah, it's a national brand when it comes to high school football. I mean, David, you, you played at UGA, you know, and I'm biased, but even, even those that don't like UGA have to recognize that that's a, that's a, that's a at the high, like you just don't get any higher. And so everything is like performance, performance, performance. You even see it in pastoral realm where there's like everything's so focused on like 
numbers and stuff that it's like performance. And so um, as y'all have grown, because you said it's important for us through spiritual disciplines to allow God to continue to work, talk to us a little bit about how y'all have seen a shift from like a performance-based identity to like a, maybe a scripture-based identity or who Christ says that we are. So can y'all talk about that for yeah, a second? Yeah, I would say this. Um, that was a huge struggle when I was at Georgia, honestly, a little bit, because I grew up in Snellville where it was still very much family-oriented, and everybody there, they cared about me personally and other teammates, and they wanted to see me individually and the other guys succeed. Uh, when you go to Georgia, and it's like this way at every college, it's, uh, it's very much performance-based. Hey, we love you as long as you're winning, right? right? And I, I'd get asked this question a lot. It would totally throw people off. Um, they would say, man, what is it like to run out in front of Sanford Stadium? you got 100,000 people cheering for you. And it would totally shock people. And if this was like, is this on camera? Probably is. But I'll say Yeah, but we can. I didn't care. And here's what I would say. I didn't care when I would run out because I also knew if I threw five picks at halftime, before halftime, everybody would be booing me in the stadium. Mm. The guys that mattered to me, were the ones that were on my team and the ones that I was in relationship with. Yeah. And so um, I forgot your original question now. <laughs> Sorry, I got that going was, on that story. Look, though, that was good. That was really good. But, that was really good because I, I'll, I'll get back to the question. Because what you said was uh, even, and this was kind of like before you would say you like really got the whole relationship with Jesus, yeah. but you still understood something that probably was getting shipped away, and that was that if your identity is based on a performance. That's, yeah. That's somebody else's like perspective, and it's always going to be somebody else's standard. And I make fun of us all the time for emotional highs and lows based on teenagers catching a football, That's like exactly a piece right. of pigskin or Look, leather. When, yeah, when I was in, whatever. I don't know, know if it's kosher. Yeah, yeah, say before I was a believer, it's very much a yo-yo life. When times are good, man, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but when times are bad. I mean, there's times after we'd lose, I'd get on the bus at Georgia, and everybody'd be like, you know, like not know what to say. It wouldn't necessarily be like they didn't want to talk, but they just didn't know what to say. Yeah. And those are awkward times. When I became a believer, my whole mindset, the way, the lens in which I saw things was totally different. I started realizing, you know what, football, when a game's over, it's over. It's mm. pretty temporal. But I understood the relationships that I was developing, both with my father and my family, my teammates my character pouring into my own personal. These are eternal rewards. Mm. That's my Super Bowl. Now, That's good. Where it used to not be. It used to just worry about, hey, we got to win this game. And, yeah. and right when you win the game and you win a championship, the next question the next day is, I bet you can't do it again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then when you do it again, they say, I don't think, can you do it again? Yeah. Think out what it takes. It's never, you're never going to get there That's right. that way. But as a believer, I was able to finally figure out that, you know what, the Super Bowl really is about the relationships. Yeah. And now since you fast forward that I'm done playing, I don't hardly remember anything that happened in any of the games I was played in. Maybe that's because I was concussed, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, that's right, but the relationships and the stories that I remember are with some buddies that are in the bus rides or the locker room. Those yeah. are the things you didn't remember. And it's not just me. Everybody I ever played with, they just remember that. They don't remember the score of the game. That's good, yeah. yeah. Just quickly off that, you know, 
I did it 15 years as the head coach. You know, I say, ah, I, I, you know, I went into it now. I was going to win the state championship in the second year, be the first one. You know, all these right. just goals. And, you know, and David, can, when I was younger, and I'm still very competitive, but at, it was about those tangible, but what I call validations. You mm -hmm. know, I, I did this. Mm -hmm. You still get caught up in that. And it was only through the humblings that you go through. And people ask me all the time, I, I love about your faith and, and the way you do carry about your job. But I always say, I don't know how you could do that job without faith. Right. You know, I don't know how you can That's do it. it. And so for me, it was more of a process of gradually not putting my self-worth on the wins and losses. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's hard. It really is. And um, And for me, um, I, you, you just have to be spiritually mature enough to go see those wins that are not on the field as well. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and, and that being in your, some of your coaches', coaches lives and your players' lives. And, um, and as my career went, I, I enjoyed that more as much. Yeah. You know, and you, you bring up a great point when, when you think about like a state championship and things, and I've said this to people, our biggest wins, and we've won some big games. The memory, what's more sacred is when you're in the locker room with just those players. Mm. It's not the celebration on the field. And I don't mean to upset any parent here if you celebrate on the field with us at Mill Creek, but it's when you go in the locker room and it's just that core group of the relationships who have gone through the struggles. Because yeah. if you ask me um, what's my biggest regret in 15 years, not that my career is over with, and I, I will say this candidly, I wish I'd have enjoyed it more, mm. you know, and had more fun. A lot of the wins are more of a relief. You know, then they are, you know, because you're, you're so you're, – you're, your competitive spirit is so fearful of the failure of it a little bit. So right. I wish I would have enjoyed some of the wins because as soon as you come off the field, you're already thinking about the next opponent, yeah. you yeah. know, and you get caught up in that just a little bit, and it's tough. Yeah. One thing I will add real quick, and when it comes to – I don't want to downplay the importance of, of going out there and playing your best and competing because it's not – you know, the Lord tells us number a number of places in Scripture the importance of, of being your best mm -hmm. and becoming, you know – really good at your craft and doing that. So and that's the one thing when you, when you talk about some of the younger guys that are playing today, being able to, to be able to demand their best, but also be, but be able to accept them for, a, for who they are as yeah. well and love them regardless, allow, allow them to fail. There's a ton of lessons that can be learned in failing. Yeah. Uh, it's not all about winning, but I do demand your best. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing we do. I don't want to get lost when we start saying, oh, we're down playing, you know, football. Right. We, we demand what's best for them. Right, right. That's really good. Um, and we didn't really talk about this, but it kind of came up a couple of times. We even, in our last song, I was thinking about it, we, we were talking about, like, failures but God's faithfulness. And so you just touched on it. You mentioned it. We, we, let's spend just a second, if we can. This is extra because we didn't talk about it, so we'll see how well y'all do on the fly. Like, talk about maybe a... a a failure, a perceived failure that was a, a, a launching point or, or just in general, uh, a little bit more about like how, how we can grow from failure and that failure is not finite. Um, we can fall forward, fail forward. We, I, I was just telling a group of 11 and 12 year olds, we, we went undefeated in a regular season of basketball, got the first seed in the tournament, got a bye, played the first round or our first round game, which is everybody else's second round game. I mean, I'm not proud of that, but um, when we destroyed them. And then we lost in the final four by four points in overtime. And I just, I told him, I was like, learn from this. Like, it, this does not define you. Like, learn from it. Move forward. You know, they're 11 and 12. It's a basketball game. But, but it is important for us because we're not, our identity is not based on our performance. It's not based on wins and losses. When we understand that now, we can view losses as a way to move us forward. Can you all talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I'll say this. Um, 
you just thinking back through football, there, there was a time my freshman year, the first game I ever played in was against Arkansas State. And I thought I played phenomenal, okay? And statistically, if you look at the stats, I, you know, look like I played well. I go into the meeting room, and Coach Rick was our, you know, obviously our head coach at the time. And my sheet, I'm looking at my grade, I had failed miserably. And it was all marked up in red and everywhere. And I started going through, and we started watching the game. And he had uh, marked up on a sheet, and, and he had coached me that he wanted me to take five hard steps carrying out my fake. Mm-hmm. When I hand the ball off to Musa, Stip, Mo, Musa Smith, peel back and take five hard steps. And um, I guess I thought I'd listen to him, but clearly I was taking like three hard steps, and I would kind of jog the last two. And so I did this pretty much the entire football game. And he made a real point of this. And talk about, you know, talk about football, people say details matter, and they do matter. Because he would stop the film and say, all right, David, right here, if you would have taken five hard steps, if that backside defensive end could have just hesitated a second, Musa Smith could have scored, mm. right? So I was having to run like crazy. I had shin splints my freshman year at Georgia because I had to run so much wow. because of not carrying in my fakes and doing little things right. But the one thing I realized, I didn't get discouraged because there was a time where you can easily say, um, I'm playing good football. Everybody thinks I'm playing great, but my head coach is crushing me, and he was killing me. He was running me enough where I had shin splints. Yeah. Uh, it was that bad. But you can't get hung up on that stuff. you got to find a way, okay, how can I learn from this? Because he's not punishing me to punish me. He's, punished, he's making me work, try to get my attention so the next time I do it right. In football, it's just a series of failures that you've got to learn to overcome, turn the page, and get better. Yeah. And when you make mistakes, don't make them again. You're going to make mistakes. If you play the quarterback position, you're going to fail, and everybody's going to see it. And you just got to learn from and just keep playing. And that's the one thing I love. We're watching a game tonight, Tom Brady. Tom Brady broke all of our hearts a couple years back in the Super Bowl, didn't he? Yeah. He just kept playing. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't say, maybe next year. You just keep going. And that's the thing that I love and respect about some of the guys that can face that adversity, adjust, turn the page, and just keep competing. Yeah. David, I, I, I – there's no reason for me to try to puff you up at all, but I think it's it's undeniable that when you played, you were one of the best at carrying out a handoff, a pass, a, a play action fake. I mean, and it's now you know it's because I had to. That's right. That's right. And, but but your failure got you there. Failure got me. And there's no doubt. Yeah, and and so I think that's that's a critical lesson. When we're freed up from in a performance based identity, then we can see our failures as opportunities to win. You're a coach, so yeah. I'm sure you tried to. I could tell a million stories, and I don't want to give you a very abbreviated version, but we were playing Norcross, and this was early. This was at Mill Creek. We Candidly, we were just turning the corner. They were ranked number one in the state, and we were ranked, and this was a game to where it had a huge uh, determine whether where you're at in the playoffs and making. This has been 10 years ago, so and they got all these in. I mean, three of their kids are playing in the NFL still, and mm-hmm. so we were really outmatched against them. But long story short, we went up on them late. Uh, it was about, I don't know what was left in the game, and I can't keep up with the details as much either, but with less than a minute to go in the game, we called a blitz, and I can remember this defensive end went the wrong way on the mm. blitz. You know, we had both of them in the wrong gap, and the quarterback who ended up going to Georgia Tech, he scores on a 60-yard touchdown run. Mm. It was devastating for, for everybody, players and, and everything. And 
Um, but I'll never forget, uh, we were on the bus ride home, and, and I'm going to be honest, it was one of those games, it was hard for me to even talk to the kids. I, there was nothing I could say. They played their absolute uh, guts out. And those are the hardest games when you know your kids have played every, – they've done everything, we've mm-hmm. done everything. You know what? Yeah. Sometimes you don't win. But, right. but we're on the bus ride home. I'm, ca- I'm, I'm pretty much caught up in my own, you know – pouting about it and everything else but uh it's back when you had flip phones okay and so I've, i felt my phone I know, and believe it or not us coaches we don't have our phone in our pocket during the game you know yeah. so i'd got my phone and, and by the time I, I felt it ring and i looked up and and one of the players who was sitting on the bus uh sitting on the back in the back of the bus bus his name's darius jackson i wish i had a picture if i knew yeah. i was gonna tell the story i'd let you see a picture of darius um but he said coach you don't lose when the score is when the game is over and he put dot, 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 you lose when you quit. Mm-hmm. And this is a high school kid. That's good. That had such a profound impact on me then. Mm-hmm. And it does that spiritually too. Now, we can all feel good about you know, I mean, I don't mean to Jesus Christ and leave here with warriors and all, but it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you lose when you quit. You know, yeah. and, and this is a teenage boy that sent that. And that had such a profound impact on me. And I was still a young coach, and we're still trying to cur- – mm-hmm. I remember that to this day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's simply stated – and I will tell you this with that little – with the flip flown. I was trying to trying to put I love you, and it took about 17 strokes to tell you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had to hit that yeah. one and Go that through. two. And I, and I was barely learning how to text anyway. But, yeah, um, it, was, it, but it was a cool <laughs> story. And I, I've, I've shared that story, and, and there's a lot more to it, but that's the yeah. gist of it. One other thing I want to yeah. add is I had a coach one time tell me, you know, because as a player, you just recognize the coach a lot of times getting on to you. You don't see the big picture yeah. as a player. And I had a coach tell me one time, he says, David, you should be worried when I quit coaching you so hard. Wow. And that changed the whole way I thought of it. Because I used to always think, man, why is he riding me so hard? Yeah. You know, is he not like me? But in all honesty, he actually saw enough in me mm. to whether he – he wanted to push me where he thought I could go. Yeah, yeah. And he says, when I quit coaching you hard is when you should be concerned. And that changed the whole relationship that I had with him. So good. Uh, there's a passage of Scripture that talks about the way the father disciplines a child. And it's the same idea that even our father wants to prune us for better growth. Like in us, there's discipline that, that even we experience spiritually so that we can grow into who he created us to be. That's really good. So we've got two more questions. The, this, this question is the last serious question. Um, and, and this question is, um, so, so all of this, this progression of faith, growing in your faith, getting kind of to this stage of life, and um, how do you see yourself as an influencer now? And, and your job has changed significantly, but I think you're viewing it through a lens of influence. So talk to us about how um, you view yourself as an influencer, and then we'll get to you in the specific context of your life. Yeah. I think for me to best answer that question, I'd like to talk about how I got to the point where I made the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I was part of a group, uh, Josh was me and through our church, mm-hmm. um, and it's a year-long series, and it's more than just a Bible study with a group of men. It, it really covers everything, and David had gone through it a few years ago as well. But um, part of this, this study that we had, and we were reading a book, but it had question and answer, so it was pretty intense throughout the year to do this. But a lot of the questions, and I, I'm, a, I'm a meticulous, I'm a former math teacher, so I'm anal, and I'm filling out all the questions, and I'm that guy trying to fill them all out perfectly so I could be the first one called on to answer them, you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And um, But there was a question in there that, 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 that stumped me, and I was, try, I was about to fill it out, and I had to put my pencil down. And um, I put my pencil down, and here was the question. And this is as recently as this past October. It said, what brings you joy? 
And I would encourage you when you leave here today, think about that question. What brings you joy? And even my wife uh, will tell you, I was stumped on that question. I brought it up where I put it down. I couldn't answer it for a couple of days because I had to think through that one. Mm. Um, and and, and I, it, part of what brought me joy, well, first of all, the number one thing is my wife, and, and she's here, and this is where I was, you yeah. know, Candy's here, and my daughter Emma Grace, as well as my daughter, daughter Tori have come here. But they bring me joy. But I went through kind of a, I don't want to say a list, but again, I'm math and I'm a list guy. What wasn't known there was winning a football game. Mm. It wasn't. I and I started diving into this, and it really I was, I was getting stirred up. And it, what I found is I, I, what I was really enjoying the most is when I was helping other coaches, and I mean outside of Mill Creek. Mm. And I was thinking of Andy Dyer at Archer who was making a run at the state championship, yeah. and I'm pulling for him. I'm, right. not, I'm not jealous of him whatsoever. And I right. found that I have really – what brought, brings me joy is other people's success has yeah. now become my success in watching that. So part of me going into being an, the AD, the athletic director, is I'm really – What's bringing me joy is the opportunity I have to cast a bigger net of influence to other coaches. Yeah. Now, I'm going to miss the one-on-one relationships with the players like David. I am. And mm-hmm. i got to figure out a way to do a little bit of right. that because that's my personality. Right. But I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support these coaches and do that across, do it across an entire athletic department. So um, I, I'm gonna miss football. I know I will. I don't right now. I don't right. miss recruiting <laughs> and the grind and yeah. and all of that. Yeah. But um, what brings me joy is my family and, and and being able to serve others, and and that's what I'm pursuing now. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll say this: uh, the word perspective keeps coming up in my head because when um, I think that's one thing as a believer when God starts working on you he changes the lens in which you see things and um, one of the questions that got asked of me and Jamin it really marked me we had to do this uh, the tribute statement and this really made a big impact in my life as well as um, it asked this question it says all right David it's going to be your 80th birthday and they're going to do you got friends and family and co-workers or whatnot that are going to be here and I want you, talking about me, to write what three people are going to write about me on my 80th birthday mm. in a tribute to me. Mm. And that really marked me because it changed the way that I, had, I started to think about things. You know, a lot of times we're so zoomed in and I'm worried about, say, if I'm coaching my Little League you know, team, you know, what can we do to, to, to win this GFL championship or whatnot? But when you, do your, when you look at your life over an 80-year span and what do you want people to say about you on your 80th birthday mm. – you begin to zoom out and think big picture. Yeah. And it's really cool because it gives you a month to, to do this. But I wrote down what I would want my wife and my kids to say about me when I'm 80. And it's really cool for me because now I can pull that out. Yeah. And when I'm about to go coach my son's team, it helps me automatically get into the right mindset I need to be at. Yeah. Uh, because if I am coaching an eight-year-old football team and all I'm concerned about is teaching little Johnny how to throw the football right, and not teaching him how to become a man, and um, then I'm wasting a lot of time because I'm spending hours with these kids every week yeah. in the entire fall. I'm wasting time. And so yeah. uh, I think giving kids a safe place where they can fail yeah. and, and learn. And I'll say this, you know, I, I played in the NFL. I realize it's not all peaches and cream like a lot of people think it is. Right. So I'm not quite as gung-ho about little Johnny having to get a scholarship because I know <laughs> – it's not the promised land right. that a lot of people think right, it is. Right, right. Uh, so I can learn, you know, and just love on these kids. Yeah. And it's so important this day in time because there's so much pressure that our kids feel to perform at a young age. And at the end of the day, that's temporal. When they win those games or get those scholarship play, that's temporal. 
but the relationships that they form, the character that they need to develop so they can go on and become good husbands, fathers, and or wives and you know, mothers and that kind of that's what they need that's going to give them the eternal benefits. And so uh, we have big responsibility as parents. We've got huge responsibility as coaches um, when people entrust us with their kids. Yeah, that's good. Y'all, told, y'all talk, talked about your fathers at the 915 service. Could you just, you know, kind of quickly revisit that? But b- building off of that, because your kid, the kids want love. There's a universal need that all of us have um, for love. Uh, they need a safe place. Talk about what your dad would do, and then you talk about what your dad would yeah, do. Yeah, it's so cool. So even when I was at Georgia, and here I was, I would, you know, I'd leave the stadium, and I have, and we'd had a big win, and you'd have, a, you know, thousands of people who want to talk to you. you got to have cameras and interviews and all that kind of thing. At the end of the day, the most important person I want to talk to was my dad. And it, I don't know what it was about, but just being able to just go through the game with him through his eyes and to see how proud he was, not just of me, but as our team, how much that meant to me. And that's just a father-son deal. And look, my dad played offensive line through 10th grade. He knew <laughs> nothing about football. <laughs> but having that time with my – I looked forward to what he had to say more than anyone else. And so let's remember that. And, and it wasn't something that I had to have him do that, but how much I appreciated that and as a son – that meant to me that he would take the time, and, and, and I get to spend that with him. So let's remember that. Be intentional when you got your own kids. And regardless if it's a, a, a good win or a, or a bad loss, do we handle it with grace and love on our kids during those times? Yeah, that's good. And I would like to share, because I know i got a lot of parents of, of athletes, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, in youth. Um, I've, I've made a big push the last two to three years because I've seen it affect the high school level athletics of kids and how their mindset coming in. And I shared this with the first service is that uh, USA Today had a Gallup polls where you have 70 percent of athletes not playing after 13 years old. What that means is they're not they're quitting when they hit high school. Mm. And the number one reason why is because it wasn't fun anymore. Well, part of why it wasn't fun anymore, the number one reason why it wasn't for fun was the, the car ride home. Mm. And it was listed. And, you know, what's happened is these kids, when they, they fail on the athletic field, right. uh, the reaction of a lot of adults is, is, is alarming. Yeah. And, and kids, it's not a safe zone. These Athletics is meant to, you know, be a – it's not real life. Let's be honest. You know, it's not real life. But it does provide opportunities to have great teachable moments. And we have left that out as adults to use these moments to empower and love these kids through. Mm. I shared with – um, earlier, real quick, you know, I'm not going to do the whole story, but my freshman year of high school, I played baseball, and in a state playoff game, I lasted in and in two-thirds and got embarrassed in front of a whole school yeah. um, playing, and I was devastated. And I'll never re- forget the, the, what my father did after that game. Number one, he let me be for a night, okay? Mm-hmm. But then the next morning, he said five words to me, and I have stressed this to our parents, that their role in this whole thing is to please share these five words with your children, I love watching you play. Mm-hmm. That's all my dad said to me. Mm-hmm. And that's all I needed to hear from him. I didn't yeah. need to hear how bad I did. I knew it. And we have a lot of uh, parents that are judging, that are they feel like they've got to get that scholarship as quickly as their sophomore year of high school. And they're panicking. You know, let's love them through it and pro- use sports for what they are. Yes, I know it's a tool maybe to get a scholarship for this. But as soon as you take that fun, it's not going to be a tool for anything. You didn't want to hear you played good when you know you did. I know. Right? Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I didn't yeah. just say I love watching you play. Don't tell me I did good. I love watching you play. Because in the end, as parents, that's what we do. We do love watching them play, and let's parent and love them through it. 
Absolutely. That's great stuff. Um, you've given us a lot of like great nuggets here, a lot of like practical things. I don't know if you're taking notes, but some of the things that I want to do is I want to I want to text some of the, the influencers that are in my life, let them know uh, that I'm grateful for their influence in me. I want to remember to keep going, like that I have a part to play in, in my faith journey that's not just a passive sit back on a Sunday morning, um, but through through the spiritual disciplines, allow God's grace to change me, transform me. Um, keep investing in, you know, the community, those that are around me, other leaders so that they can grow up. Um, write down, I want to I sit down, what brings me joy? I want to write that down. Um, and, then, and then I want to I make sure that my kids know that I just, I love watching them do ballet, basketball, whatever the sport is. It's just fun. So y'all have given me a lot of helpful things. I hope that they've given you a lot of helpful things, but maybe something that would be really helpful is for us to get some professional wisdom on who we should pick for tonight's game. So really quickly, who you got? Who you got tonight? Who you got tonight? I'm going to go with the Pats. Look, you, you can only go against Tom Brady so much. And if you've gone against Tom Brady. <laughs> they turned on you, bro. Look, 92,000. Hey, I go. love Todd Gurley. I hope Todd Gurley kills it. I really don't care a whole lot. But it's hard to, it's hard to bet against the GOAT, right? Because yeah. that Tom Brady, he does it time and time again. He broke our hearts with the Falcons, didn't he? Too soon, bro. Too soon. Um, Too soon. You know, yeah. And, and if anybody should know about the Pats, you should, because you spent some time in New England on their squad for a while. Let so, me tell yeah. you, he's amazing. Um, the way he prepares, it's, it's pretty remarkable. The humility that Tom has, uh, but yet the confidence and the drive and the want to. Here it is. I love watching him today. You watch him at the AFC after they won the AFC championship. It looks like he won it for the first time, yeah, yeah. right? That's true. I think he literally wants to win this game probably more than anybody on the Rams. Mm. To me, it's remarkable. And it goes to show he doesn't play just to win Super Bowls. Yeah. If he plays just to win Super Bowls, he would have quit a long time ago, right? Yeah. Man, There's something true. more. He wants to be better. And when we talk about in our own faith about growing, look at the way this guy has just continued to grow. Yeah. And his whole motto, and I played with Peyton Manning in 2008. Both those guys, they were mentally, they were made of different stuff. Hmm. They were obsessed with getting better. Yeah. They wanted people around them that can. They didn't want yes men. They wanted people that would challenge them. How can I get to the next level? It's good. It's good. Who you got? I'm going to go with Gurley and the Rams. All right, man. There you go. Get, get popular. That was popular. I'm, I'm yeah, playing there. He just wanted to win the crowd. <laughs> You wanted more people to come by and say hey to you after the service than David did. So, yeah, he's speaking truth. All right, there you go. Well, guys, um, thank you for being our guest again. Would y'all give them uh, just an amazing hand for being with us today? That's awesome. I love you guys. I appreciate y'all. Sing this with me. I give you glory. I give you glory for all you brought me through. And now I'm ready for what? I'm moving forward to follow after you And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do Let's sing your presence Your presence is an open door We want you, Lord, like again your presence your presence is an open door so come 
season, in every season, your grace has been enough. Oh, now I'm believing the best is yet to come. See the cross before me, the cross before me, my hope on things above. And in you, Jesus, the best is yet to come. Oh, sing your presence, your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. It's your presence, your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord, like. Like this. 